Thank you for listening to the Austin Connection podcast. The Austin Connection is also a free newsletter and community on Substack. Check it out at austinconnection.substack.com. See you there. I just have this dream of just introducing Jane Austen to maybe people who didn't know who she was, maybe saw what they liked on the runway, Googled Jane Austen, and then maybe collectively buy a dress from me and then also fall in love with Jane Austen. I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome. Designer Genevieve Dizon is a fashion designer whose latest collection, debuting this week at New York Fashion Week, is inspired by the characters of Jane Austen. Dizon has been sewing since she was a child. She says it's how she speaks to the world, and every design she creates, she says, contains a narrative, a story. In this conversation with the Austin Connection, Genevieve Dizon breaks down the characters and how her designs incorporate not only Austin's complicated characters from Lizzie Bennet to Mrs. Elton, Emma, but also incorporates their stories. We begin this conversation with designer Genevieve Dizon by talking about how she began incorporating Jane Austen characters into her fashion designs and how for her even becoming a fashion designer in the first place meant standing up and using her voice rather like elizabeth bennett to lady catherine de Bourgh, and actually that's also a gown the lizzie gown here's our conversation with designer genevieve dizon i know that you're working on the jane austen collection by genevieve dizon do you want to just start by telling me how this collection came about? I mean, it came about because I was rereading all of Jane Austen's work from the publication date. So I started with Census Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, Mansfield Park, Emma, Northanger Abbey, and then Persuasion. And while I was reading it, I was thinking... You know, I am imagining them in modern clothing and and I wanted to bring the characters out in a fashion forward way where it's relevant to now and you can wear a Jane Austen inspired piece just around New York City on the casual. <laughs> so uh-huh. And then I signed up for JASNA, which is the Jane Austen Society of North America in July and I wanted to celebrate the the occasion of getting back into the groove of fashion uh, because I took a little bit of a break during the pandemic because pandemic times (laughs) happened and and because pandemic yeah (laughs) and so creatively I was looking for a new chapter of my life and um Usually when I start a collection, there's a lot of research that goes into it. I, I had come back from France in uh, 2019, and I thought, oh, maybe I'll do a Marie Antoinette-inspired collection. Um, and then suddenly I, 
I just picked up a Jane Austen book and I was like, you know what? I never, I never thought about using literature into my work. It's always based off of history and historic figures, again, like Marie Antoinette or um, Empress Josephine. And I was like, no, no, let, let's do it based off of characters in a book. Because when I read a book, uh, the, the visions in my head is always what they look like facially. And then it goes from there to their personality and what their personality would wear. That's cool. That was my next question. My very next question was, when you read the novels, how do you envision the clothes? Yeah, it's really based off of their personality. Uh, for example, when I was reading Emma, I was thinking, oh, she's a little snooty, not to be mean or anything. And the thing is, right. like, I, I relate to Mrs. Bates because I'm just always grateful for any support that anyone gives me. And I know I can probably come across annoying in that way where I'm, like, very thankful all the time, very grateful all the time. And I can probably never just stop thanking people and that probably gets annoying <laughs> um, that is so cool that you relate to to mrs bates or is it miss bates oh yeah miss bates uh miss bates i i can completely understand that because i think a lot of the annoying characters on jane austen you read and you're like ooh. Uh, there's a little bit of me there. There's a little bit of me and Emma. And then we all hope that there's a whole lot of us in Lizzie Bennett or, you know, God forbid, maybe we're nightly. I think I think Jane Austen is herself in all of those characters as well, which I think can kind of free us from feeling like we're too annoying or too uh, judgy or too whatever. You know, it's like she's there too with us. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, uh, and and obviously, I, um, I think that's the consensus with, with most people you meet who is very familiar with Jane Austen is that she she takes real life and she puts it in her books and makes a happy ending out of it. I, I did uh, discover Jane Austen in high school, but as, in my adulthood, you know, I, I would always have to summon up my Lizzie for, for when I had to stand up to my mom when she said, you know, Jenny, fashion is great, but you should really go into accounting because it's a stable job. And I'm like, oh, that broke my heart. <laughs> so you had to stand up and be a headstrong, obstinate girl <laughs> when it came to design versus accounting. That's interesting. So I want to ask you about that, um, Genevieve, because I know that you have the Lizzie gown, but you were starting to say something about Emma and how Emma's personality, even though she, you and you felt like you were being a little bit mean about Emma. But go ahead. What were you going to say about Emma and her personality and, and clothes? I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know how to exactly explain um, what happened with Emma, but but in my eyes, Emma uh, was a status like status oriented character, and I wanted yeah. to show that. <laughs> okay, interesting. So how how do you show that in the Emma gown? Well, I think after seeing uh, a little bit of other people's adaptations. I think it's the 1996 uh, portrayal of Emma and Gwyneth Paltrow. I just always saw Emma in a light, soft pink. 
And so when I was doing the gown, I, I did the light soft pink. But the modernization is that I don't think a lot of people would use black lace for the trimming, but I was thinking, well, black goes with everything. And I, I trimmed it up with with a silver a silver ribbon because to me I was thinking there was a silver lining with with Emma. She redeemed herself. She she was more kind to Miss Bates. She she saw the error of her ways. And then for the top, I I actually beaded it with a beaded applique. And I think it all kind of came together. I was like, oh I love the the silver ribbon because it is like a silver lining. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so it's a gown with a silver lining for Emma. That's so cool. Well, okay, so while we're on the topic of, you know, the characters inspiring you, the personalities of the characters inspiring you, and then coming out in fashion and clothes and gowns, what about, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the Lizzie gown, which is something that I knew about. The headstrong, obstinate girl, here's how you talk to people of authority gown. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, again, uh, because I took from another adaptation of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, I did actually like the color that they use, which was kind of a teal color. And I researched the, the actual color meaning because there is meaning behind colors as well. And so the dark teal color uh, signifies a uniqueness, a like a special a special quality of of standing up to yourself, and and so I was thinking, I I just see this dark teal gown in front of Lady Catherine de Bourgh when she's she's being questioned about uh, coming out into the ball when the the youngest are all out or everyone is out uh, in society and there was no governess and she had to stand up to herself when Lady Catherine de Bourgh asked her how old she was. Um, and also, you know, it, it was a dinner time event. And so I comp combined the special occasion along with the event and then the meaning of the color. So that's kind of how the Lizzie gown came about. That is awesome. Okay, so let me get the timing, uh, Genevieve. You were you started rereading Jane Austen novels in twenty twenty one. So was it sort of a pandemic inspiration, having a little bit more time on your hands, and just wanting to go back and reread the novels? That that was exactly it. I was thinking, I do like how in every gown I do make there is a narrative, and when I was thinking of the narrative, I I had read probably only well about 15 to 18 books in 2020 and we weren't really going to the library in New York City because I don't think it was actually open to the public but in 2021 I absolutely ran out of books and and I was thinking you know what we're just going to reread Jane Austen once again Great idea. I did the same, and it was, I have definitely not regretted it. So you say something really interesting, Genevieve, in um, one of the write-ups about the Jane Austen collection, that um, 
And it's about your idea of story and the impact of story on design. You see, for most fashion designers, the process goes beyond putting together a mood board. We put together a story much like writers and musicians do. Um, that's a quote from you. How do you put together a story that channels into your fashion design? Uh, well, um, after designing for this year, um, and and I'll tell you the truth, um, I'm going to be a little vulnerable over here. If I start getting a little a little choked up, it's because um, I was getting over the death of my mom, and and so you know, I was like, you know, I I need I need something um, to make me feel like myself again and to be renewed. And so that was another reason why I started rereading Jane Austen because I just remember the feeling of of just going to my happy place whenever I went into a story. And so uh, it was almost like creative coping in a way. And so I was tr I was trying to figure out should I take more walks? Should I exercise more? But as far as grieving goes, uh, the mind is a powerful thing. And so if you can't get over the grieving in your mind, the the other physical aspects of your life kind of take place. It's like, oh, I can't go to the gym. I want to stay in bed all day and just cry. <laughs> and so um, at that point, you know, I, I, I decided to do this, I guess, I, I guess I could call it creative coping. And then I started reading Jane Austen and then it, and then it just played out from there because Jane Austen actually did save my life uh, or my creative life uh, for sure. And then I joined Jasna. I put it out there to the world that I was making a collection and had people at the annual general meeting show up in the gowns and seeing them in person alive was just invigorating for me. And now I just don't see myself not designing a collection uh, that's not Jane Austen related at, from this point on. I, I feel like this is going to be a lifelong project until I day, the day I die. <laughs> That's incredible, Genevieve. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And, you know, creative coping is such a great way to describe what you're doing. And then also, I, you know, what is going on in Jane Austen's stories? You know, she's using story to do things that she was not aware of at the time, I'm sure, and would not be aware of how much impact it would have 205 years later, right? So creative coping. I mean, W women and other people, people who identify as women and others in the world, often feeling marginalized, often coping with difficult things. Uh, and uh, you, 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 you really feel that in persuasion. Yes. And, and I guess I did mention Emma because Emma starts off where she is 21. She lost her mother at a young age. So she never really felt that that loss of a mother she did but she didn't but when I started rereading Emma during my grief I was like oh she lost her mom too and then you get to persuasion and she lost Anne lost her mother at age 13 and the correlation is actually 
my mom got breast cancer when I was the age of 13, and I related with that. And so, um, yeah, when she when I read Persuasion and um, her mom dying, and she's the one who has to pick up the pieces for her family, I felt the same way because I tell I tell my sis, little sister all the time that you know when my mom got sick, I started uh, being a people pleaser, doing more chores so my mom didn't have to do it. Um, when I was able to drive, I actually started uh, picking up my sister from school, dropping her off at school, uh, picking my mom up from chemo or radiation, and kind of just making my life about my mom. And so when, when that presence is gone, it's like, what do you do with yourself? And so the, the collection is a narrative of like loss and redemption, love throughout it all, because I have gone through some major issues with that. And, and my husband has been there throughout all of it. And yeah, it's, it's just been a, a great way for me to cope, but also realize how, how wonderful my life really is here in New York. This is the Austin Connection. We're talking with designer Genevieve Dizon. Her latest collection, debuting Saturday, September 10th, is the Jane Austen Collection, featuring designs inspired by Jane Austen characters. We're also hearing from Genevieve Dizon about how fashion tells a story and how loss can be a big part of that story, specifically loss of a mother, something that Genevieve Dizon herself and so many Austin heroes and heroines have endured off the page from Emma and Anne Elliott to Jane Fairfax and even Mr. Darcy, Henry Tilney, and Mr. Knightley. In this next part of our conversation with Genevieve Dizon, we'll tackle loss, Jane Austen, creative coping. We'll also talk about sewing Bridgerton, Here's the rest of our conversation with Jenny V. Dizon. I love that you point out the loss in Emma. Um, it, it rereading it for me too. Also having. Uh, you know, experience loss and specifically of my mother. So I'm totally hearing you and just sending you all good energy, Genevieve, because I know, I know how just earth shaking and that, that is, it's not something that you get over. Um, you more just kind of keep going, go through, but, um, the loss and Emma is interesting. Like it, we don't think about nightly, you know, <laughs> both the nightly brothers also, not to mention Jane Fairfax, Frank Churchill, everybody is orphaned in that uh, story. And it's kind of interesting. And, and I, I feel like there is something going on, whether Jane Austen meant to consciously be showing this or not, but in the character of Emma, there does seem to be a lack of um, strength and a lack of direction. She's just, you know, kind of um, drifting and bored and very talented and very smart. Um, so it it is something that you can relate to the loss and just the the sense of not having a touchstone, you know, um, with with Emma, and then certainly with persuasion, where it's really felt deeply. 
Um, so that's that's incredible to hear, and um, I'm really glad that you found it. And it sounds like from the caretaking role that you took on so young, you need joy. You know, you need the creativity, and you need the joy, and you need the celebration, and you need some fun, right? Yes, exactly. And and throughout it all. I think being a people pleaser, and I think Jane can relate too, because obviously people are reading her story. She wants to please them. She wants to uh, have that message come across and have it be accepted by people. And there, when you're entertaining people, there's a lot of people pleasing going on. And so my life has always been about people pleasing. And I just realized in 2021 I I was thinking I need to please myself first it's 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 crazy to think that I don't prioritize my needs first when I'm thinking about my husband's needs or or my dad's needs because he's he's ailing now too and so it's just like when you are faced with a lot of things going on in your life that that your your family is going through or or your friends are going through you kind of just forget well you know i i had all this uh writing or or sewing to do but my friend really wants me to come over and um have have a shoulder to cry on so you know sometimes your creativity is is affected by other people's needs. And so this project during a pandemic where we had to isolate, it was a perfect time to to prioritize myself. Great. You go. I'm very glad to hear that. Everybody should listen to Genevieve right now and do that. Yes. Very important. Genevieve, let me ask, how important are the screen adaptations? You mentioned the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma. How important are the screen adaptations to these inspirations? Or is it more coming from your head as you read the stories or both? I think it's because I I found Pride and Prejudice in high school that that was one of the first novels that I I read of Jane Austen, and I wasn't familiar with, I think it was the 1995 version of the the Pride and Prejudice, Prejudice adaptation with, I think it was Colin Firth. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, you think it was with Colin Firth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody else listening here has like watched it 25 times. Like, I, I think I, I got, I watched it one time. And, oh, and the thing is, like, you have so many more watches to look forward to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's cause, you know, the 1996 version of Emma was when I was in high school. And, uh, and so I, I think, you know, the, yeah, the first adaptation, I was familiar with was the 1996 Emma, and and I think that's how how I got inspired by by it because then Clueless came out. I know I know this is like not I, most Jane Austen fans would cringe when I say I actually like Clueless and thought 
that the version of Cher was kind of like Emma. And I actually have a dress uh, or fabric. It was inspired by the plaid uh, 90s um, mini skirt outfit that Cher had in class. Yes. Love it. No, because I was in high school. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you're going to get much complaint about Clueless and Cher versus Emma. I feel like Clueless is universally, from what I've heard, really championed as a great retelling, like the sort of retelling that makes you see the original in even a new light and is very much in conversation with the original uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of approval for that. But plaid, very cool. You have to tell us more about how you're using the plaid. In the in the movie, she wears the yellow and black plaid. It has like the vest and the jacket along with the mini skirt and the high socks. Yes. I'm just thinking of her uh, school presentations. <laughs> well, as soon as you're saying that, I'm just seeing her, in front, you know, she's in front of the classroom with her bubble gum, you know, and and being like, the, the Statue of Liberty does not require an RSVP. Yes, exactly. And so I imagine that in a Regency style gown. And I think it's like a nod to to both Emma and share at the same time because I actually feel like Emma would wear a yellow and black bright colored Regency style gown. <laughs> so, yeah, that's awesome. I am in New York City and the uh, yellow taxi cabs is a yeah. thing. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's share New York City, Emma Highbury mashup. Yes, exactly. Love it. What about the more recent screen extravaganzas? <laughs> Are you paying attention to Bridgerton, for instance? And if so, what are your thoughts on the fashions and the the concepts being put forward in the Bridgerton costuming? I'm actually in a Facebook Bridgerton sewing inspired group. And so I actually check in on that uh, occasionally. I don't, I'm not able to check it uh, religiously every day. But when I do, uh, what I see is people are just so excited to see what fashions they're coming up with. And what struck me with one of the previews was a kind of gold, rose gold gown ensemble and it it was it was so funny that I actually had just ordered gold sequin fabric for one of my my dresses for the runway and and so I feel like maybe subconsciously my brain is in tune with with what Bridgerton is actually coming out with I actually just finished what I call the Augusta gown which is Miss Elton, uh, Mrs. Elton. And so um, you know how she's always saying something about her, I think, brother's barouche. <laughs> yes, she says, and, and that's right. Yes, she's always talking about the, fa- the fancy brother. 
Uh, and and then also a favorite sort of Jainite quote that's always pulled out is, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm going to misquote it, but something about I have a horror of being over-trimmed. She, she, of course, is rather over-trimmed and probably not scared of anything and definitely not being over-trimmed. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you say that because the quote that inspired the gown with with me is very little white satin, very few lace veils, a most pitiful business. And this is a quote to her husband after hearing the details of Emma's wedding because she wasn't in attendance. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten about that. That is really uh, snide, isn't it? Yes. And so I created her dress with, uh, oh gosh, it was a hundred, more than a hundred ostrich feathers that I had hand cut and sewn into the trim of her hem and the trim of her ruffle around the neckline. And I used a silk satin for the fabric and uh, it has like a bubble gown effect on the bottom. And because of, like you said, your your quote and then my quote, and I combined those, those uh, her attitude and her personality into this one dress, so. Wow, okay, that's incredible. Um, so Genevieve, you're working toward New York Fashion Week. Can you tell us about New York Fashion Week and, and Paris Fashion Week and the larger fashion community and how your Jane Austen collection has been worked in or accepted into the larger fashion community or how it's going to be and how you see it fitting in in these big uh, fashion weeks coming up? That's a great question. Um, actually, I, I don't think... I don't want to be egotistical and say that this is probably the first time a Jane Austen collection is on the runway, but I I haven't heard of anything. And so um, I'm not exactly sure how the normal fashion industry will uh, accept it or actually what I'm actually doing is is hoping that that consumers and Jainites alike uh, accept it along with the, the fashion industry. But at this point, uh, since I've done other fashion weeks and, and have been in fashion as far as working for other people, I know that, that there, it's a lot of work to just have a fashion company. And so um, I've I've actually manufactured a collection domestically and internationally, and I know how much work that is. And with this collection, I'm actually going back to my roots and sewing everything myself, um, with with the exception of maybe um, a small sample that I'll, that I'll manufacture because of the the print that I I design that has Jane Austen's silhouette. Um, but uh, as far as fashion, I just have this dream of just introducing Jane Austen to maybe people who didn't know who she was, maybe saw what they liked on the runway, Googled Jane Austen, and then maybe collectively buy a dress from me, and then 
also fall in love with Jane Austen. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually never thought about how my my designs will affect the fashion industry because I design. This is going to sound cliche, but from the heart, because because everything I've gone through, everything that that um, I want to accomplish in my life is going into my fashion, and and so I I just don't think about the the collective fashion industry. I think about oh, how is this going to make someone feel? How is this going to affect someone's day? Maybe they do need to. Summon up their inner Lizzie, and they need something to wear when they're standing up to their mom, telling her that no, mom, I'm going to college for fashion. I'm not going to college for accounting. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do, and they need that, you know, Jane Austen silhouette print skirt, or they need a, you know, a a Jane Austen. Something inspired dress, you know, the the stick it to Lady De Bird dress. Yes, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that is awesome, and I so love what you're saying. And I could sense that even as I was kind of asking you about how your work is fitting into the fashion community, it it shows that you're following your heart and you you're doing what you want to do, what you have to do. You know what the world needs to know about Jane Austen? Yeah, it's just it's just so underrated, and 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 whenever I I come across somebody and they don't know who Jane Austen is, and I'm kind of appalled. <laughs> I mean, or not appalled. I guess just really disappointed that they don't know who she is or don't know her work very. Very much so. It, yeah, it's true, and it's, it's and and not for you. Know, I was saying the world needs to know about Jane Austen, but like it, I'm getting what at what you're getting at, which is yes, she's underrated, and she and so many and brilliant artists have been put into a corner, and you know, and presented as women. These are women's stories, and yes, this is powerful uh, in itself, but it's also, you know, it's, it's about humanity and it's about loss and it's about the struggle and it's about navigating your way through life. And it is about the human experience. It is great art with a capital A. Um, and so it makes sense that you're driven by that to create your art. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, um, and, and I do consider my, my fashion designs art because that's how I actually send out messages through the world is through my art. Uh, I was actually a very shy child. I just didn't have many friends and books were my life and um, fashion as well. I started sewing when I was five years old and it felt like whenever I sewed something, I was telling the world something without saying a single word. It was it was like I was putting out my creativity and my messages through my sewing and through what I made. I mean, I made dresses for Barbie dolls and most most of the time I actually played by myself, but there's always a narrative like Barbie needed to see Ken at the skating rink and she needed this mini skirt uh, to roll around it and so I would make a little mini skirt for her just for 
her date with Ken. So... <laughs> Do you, you're actually answering a great question, which is how you got started in fashion. And it sounds like you had a difficult conversation at some point about doing fashion and as opposed to accounting or law. Um, how did you get started in fashion from the age of five, it sounds like? And how did you keep going in fashion? How's that journey been? My, uh, my dad actually was a tailor in the Philippines. And actually, I followed in his footsteps because... He had a job in uh, the computer programming world, and also he was a newspaper editor. And I had a strong sense of storytelling when I was a child, and I would always write short stories or, or just, I guess what I call just random plot lines. And along with the sewing and along with my stories and along with playing with dolls, I, I just meshed them all together. and. There was always something to do because I was always either sewing something for a story with my dolls and and that's probably how I got started. And then from there, I was actually starting to make money off of um, sewing nurses grubs for my mom's friends. And then in high school, I started making homecoming and prom dresses. And then after that, um, I started making wedding gowns, um, and then I started my business in 2003. Amazing. Well, it sounds like you just needed to sew, and you sewed. And I love it that this combination of storytelling with sewing is something that's been passed down to you from your father, who was doing it in the Philippines first and then coming to America and doing it. Uh, and you're picking that up. That's that's really interesting. Did he does he ever talk about um, that combination of story and sewing? Um, he actually stopped doing the newspaper editing when he went here to work for um, for a major corporation because the major corporation ended up taking most of his time. But he was still sewing for uh, clients as far as a t as far as tailoring. And most of his clients were his uh, friends. And in the Filipino community in Arizona, we had belonged to probably 10 Filipino groups. And he was always busy sewing. Um, it, it's funny because there's a, a sewing joke of, yes, I sew. And no, I will not hem your pants. Um, that's, that, that's a rule for me, at least. But for my dad, it was like, yes, I sew. And yes, I will hem your pants. <laughs> That's incredible. Hey, well, thank you so much, Genevieve. Good luck with, over the next few weeks, and let's stay in touch. Um, and I, I can't wait to, to watch all of these fashions uh, and watch everything come, to, come together. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah, thank you. Have a good day. That was designer Genevieve Dizon telling us all about the Emma gown, the Augusta gown. Yes, that is inspired by Mrs. Elton, and it involves about 100 ostrich feathers. New York Fashion Week is this week, and Genevieve Dizon's designs with Emma, Mrs. Elton, Lizzie Bennett are all going to be on the runway. You can contact Genevieve Dizon and see Genevieve Dizon designs at Genevieve New York 
York.com. That's GenevieveNewYork.com. And you can also find us at AustinConnection.substack.com where you can talk with us and sign up to receive our free newsletter. See you next time.